Welcome to the B-Side Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Frank, and look, I'm just following up this podcast. I've had a pretty busy weekend, just going all around, doing some different stuff. Uh, Went to a dropping class. Oh, I'm exhausted, guys. Uh, So, um, I wanted to come in with this podcast. It's going to be really short today. Uh, Talk a little bit about what's going on. And um, so, let's get started with it. All right. So, um, like I said, I was at the... It was actually the final one day of our um, 2023-2024 trapping uh, cycle, you could say, or season um, educational courses. I don't know. I, I don't really know what you want to call it, but we have six or seven of them throughout the state a year. Lafayette was the final one. Uh, had a great time. I actually brought my oldest daughter with me. Um, now, her highlight of the whole thing was the cookies at the end that uh, was given to her because they were open. But, uh, yeah, so <laughs> uh, we finished that up. We did some raccoon demonstrations. And even, look, guys. I know this sounds like a thing. This one-day class is a thing for um, new trappers or um, old trappers can benefit from it too. Uh, don't get me wrong, because every I I guarantee you, every time I go to one of these classes and teach with a different instructor, I wind up learning something that I did not know. Um, so, like, for example, I learned this this weekend uh, that uh, a, what a jump trap worked real well for. You don't know what a jump trap is, which I didn't until probably about a year ago. Uh, a jump trap is actually a pretty cool invention. It's a, It's got... The base plate and the spring are kind of, well, The you, you got to go look at it. Just go look up a jump trap. You can find it online. But the trap actually jumps off the ground when it fires. So what happens is if you got an animal that's not, uh, it's actually, I think, a European jump trap. Um, when the uh, animal barely puts pressure on the plate and it fires, it actually kind of jumps up towards his foot to make a better catch on his foot um so well yeah well that was one thing i learned uh sure i learned some other stuff but what i really wanted to touch on was Vinny. um if y'all don't if y'all listen to the pelican bone outdoor podcast he always does uh bad boys of the outdoors well I found one this morning, and I sent it to him, and let me see if I can find it. Uh, It was Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries issued a statement this morning, or 
maybe not this morning, but uh, definitely. Uh, let's see. I'm looking for it right now. Uh, it was out of Morehouse Parish. Here it is. So I'm gonna read the I'm gonna read the full story to y'all and give my little. Louisiana Department of Wildlife Fisheries Enforcement Agent cited Oak Ridge Man on February 8th for alleged hunting violations in Morehouse Parish. Agent cited Morehouse Man, 45, for taking Louisiana black bear during closed season over the seasonal limit of antler deer, deer hunting without a basic hunting license, deer, deer license and tags, and hunting bobcat without a basic hunting license. LDWF agents and Morehouse Parish Sheriff's Office executed a search warrant on the residence and found him in possession of bear parts, two antler deer heads, two freezers full of deer meat, and methamphetamine. I mean, that's why you could kill so many animals. He was just chasing them down, probably stabbing them. But during the questioning... Uh, the man cited admittedly admitted to harvesting a black bear with a bow and arrow in Richmond Parish in October of 2023. Mo resident also admitted to harvesting four antler deer, two antlerless deer, and a bobcat with a rifle. The seasonal limit of antler deer for this area of the state is three. Since 1992, wildlife fishery LDWFD has worked to conserve and protect the population of Louisiana black bear due, due to many efforts of LDWF biologists, enforcement agents, and other partners. Black bear numbers have increased, leading to the removal of the Louisiana black bear from the endangered species list in 2016. English is tough. Um, but whoever writes these articles are really good, if you can tell, because this is not my writing. Uh, and now I lost where I'm at. All right. Protections for this species, as well as other Louisiana wildlife, remain and promote conservation and genetic diversity of the population. Taking a Louisiana black bear during closed season brings a $900 to a $950 fine and up to 120 days in jail. Over the seasonal limit of antler deer carries a $250 to a $500 fine and up to 90, 90 days in jail. Deer hunting without a basic hunting license, deer license, and deer tags brings up to a $350 fine for each offense. Harvesting bobcat without a basic hunting license carries up to $350 fine. The man may face several, uh, civil restitution charges totaling $16,525 for the placement value of an illegal taken black bear, deer, and bobcat. And then they talk about the agents that were in it. But I just want to say, like, I was reading the fines and I'm like, ah, uh, these fines are extremely cheap. And then I got to the civil restitution part. Like, like I just couldn't believe and I wish they would have broke the civil restitution down. I'd like to know how much a black bear is worth to the state, you know. And I know the civil restitution, they say it, what it's 
it's what it would take to basically replace they have a value on that bear or them deer um and not 100 percent sure how it works in louisiana but i know some states have like formulas like you know they calculate it's an exponential formula to where if you were to shoot a four point civil restitution might be a hundred and fifty dollars but if you shoot an eight point, it might be like two thousand dollars based on the inches and all. It exponentially goes up the higher because it's the bigger deer, you know, the more it's a it's basically to prevent trophy poaching. Which my my question is this, and I would love to hear y'all feedback on it. If you're driving down the road and, or not driving down the road, because right. that, that's an ethical dilemma. And I think, I know with the roadside deer, they had to um, make it to where it wasn't a trophy class deer for night, for road hunting, because people that generally wouldn't poach it just poach a deer may poach a trophy class deer with that being said um let's get back to our question here do you think a trophy buck should be more valuable than just any deer, any other deer so for example I'm gonna. This is this is why I'm asking this question. So, if I have, let's say, a nice twelve-point deer, which for my area would be a decent stud. Now he's done spread his genetics, and that means he ha they have small bucks that has his genetics. They have does that have his genetics because, in case you don't realize, both deer have to have decent genetics to make a trophy class deer. Um, so he's done spread his genetics out to make this. Do you think that civil restitution for that 12 point should be that much different than, let's say, a 6 point? I do want to hear y'all feedback. Y'all can send it to, you can message me on any of the social medias. Uh, and I'll leave the link tree so you can find them. Uh, you can email me at b under, I think it's b underscore side outdoors at gmail.com. Um, let me know your answers. Or, I mean, I just want to know, like, I want to know what my followers feel here. Uh, I know how I feel about it, and I'll discuss that once I start getting feedback. Um, so, uh, a little bit about what's going to be happening. Uh, I think I'm going to come out with a YouTube video on, on uh, raccoon trapping again. And this one ought to be fun, because it'll be in the deep swamps of Louisiana. Not really deep swamps, I mean like 
I can drive my four wheel or less than a quarter of a mile from where I'm going to be driving, but it'll be in the swamps, you know, lowlands. Which, granted, I've done a little bit of when I was in Lafitte, but this is going to be like trees on both sides. I'm trapping an area that's open, but, you know, trees, pyfine grass, all the stuff that makes life fun for the rest of us um, to hunt in. So, And the reason is, is because we have a, I have a buddy of mine, well, so the area I trap, and you've seen it, in multiple videos, me setting up traps in it, uh, me setting up deer stands in the air or deer spots to deer hunt. Well, I'm going on the back side of that property and helping another friend of mine that has a well put up. They fixed up a hog trap back there, and uh, when I tell you this, this hog trap, he sends me a picture of it. And there are no less than like eight coons in the pic, raccoons in the pic. Uh, excuse me. Um, there are no less than eight raccoons in this picture. So I'm going to go in there, help thin out the population. And um, yeah, you know, if you're wondering about why you need to thin out raccoons, so anytime you concentrate raccoons or any animal for that matter um it helps spread diseases so with that many raccoons in the area they're getting drawn to that area if one catches a disease or rabies or something which in louisiana from what i was told we have a very low case of rabies in raccoons um but if one of them gets a disease, it can pass it on to the entire population of that area and wipe them raccoons out. So if you go in and you are a random cow walking on a levee. Sorry about that. Oh, they got other ones. Never mind. Um, I'll explain what I'm talking about. But anyway, let's get back to that and I'll go back to the cows walking on the levee. Uh, but... It could wipe out the entire population of that. Where if you thin them out, and let's say you only have four or five, they can repopulate, and then and you can maintain that healthy balance in the area. Because nature self-regulates. And when I say that, it means if you have, um, let's say... Um, I'm gonna use raccoons. We're gonna keep it. We'll keep it with raccoons. Let's say you have this huge raccoon population. Well, one of two things is gonna happen: either disease is gonna go through them and wipe them down to where only only a few of them survive, or the predators for raccoons will go up higher, and then it'll take them down to where only a few survive, then the predators die off. Uh, Predator-prey cycle, I don't know how many years ago I learned it. I just remember learning it somewhere. I think I was like in third or fourth grade, but I don't know. Um, yeah, back to the cow walking on the levee. Uh, uh, where my parents live, 
is a, uh, well, it's a road with a canal on the side of it. And on the other side of the canal, well, it used to be all cow pastures. Now they got, like, conservation areas and stuff going on in it that is basically a private playground for uh, oil executives. But, um, yeah, they uh, they got cows, so I'm driving past one of them, and there's a random, like, I saw cows in the pasture before. Now they got drainage canals every so often. So a lot, of, a lot of them don't even have fences. They just have drainage canals um, in between them. You know, they have fences like on road line, roadways and stuff. But anyway, so I'm driving past, and the pasture before it had cows in it. And then right away I see one blood-load cow walking down the, the bank, you could say, or the levee, because it's kind of a levee there. It's a little bit higher um, and in the bottom. And until I got right up on the cow, I didn't see the rest of them. So, yeah. Um, but as I'm driving past this canal, the alligators are out, which probably means the snakes are out in South Louisiana. So if you're playing in the woods, yeah, don't, uh, don't forget to watch where you step. Especially if you're fishing when they got that clo tall clover on the side and um, all of that, you know. You don't want to make a wrong step and become a victim to the water moccasin or the cottonmouth, which, by the way, I can smell a cottonmouth before I see it. So, if you smell a really musky odor, go ahead and step away from that because that's not the skunk ape. That's probably a cottonmouth in South Louisiana. But we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, there's really nothing else for me to talk about. You know, the cow story was just kind of funny. Um, I do have a personal connection to cows. Let me tell that real quick. Uh, so before we wrap this up, I'm going to tell this. So growing up, my great-grandfather was a cattleman, which he never said he was a cattleman. He said he was a grass farmer because he said you got to grow good grass to grow good cows. So... Um, the cattle pastures I was passing, I grew up in. That's where I learned a lot of my hunting and fishing passion for. Um, so, well, I thank you for staying. Uh, <clears throat> thank you for staying with us this long. Uh, make sure you thank a veteran, thank a first responder, and I hope to catch you on the B side of the outdoors. And speaking of catching people on the B side of the outdoors. You want to come have a great time on April 13th of this year. Louisiana Trapper and Alligator Hunters Association will have their annual uh, convention at the Dewey Wills Management Area Headquarters in Jonesville, Louisiana. Um, vendors will be there. Bring the whole family. Um, if you want to meet me in person, I'll be there. Uh, but... Yeah, bring the whole family. There'll be vendors, demonstrations, or educational seminars. Um, what else? Uh, raffles, uh, all, an auction. Look, be the best auction you've ever been to. We'll have some extremely unique, yeah, extremely unique things out there. Um, 
So it should be a good time, guys. A really good time. Ooh, excuse me. Um. So, yeah. Hope to see you there. Come by and say hi if you know what I look like. If not, follow me on Instagram. Always got pictures of myself. <laughs>